Well, welcome back. Uh, and again, as promised, I want to walk you through a case study on depression. Um, this will hopefully bring together everything we just talked about, because it's one thing to kind of analyze it and talk about principles. And sooner or later, you have to say, what does this look like in an actual uh, moment of caring for somebody else? So uh, this is a real case study, but I've changed lots of details and I've combined in it. I've combined it with other um, counseling cases so that if the person persons actually were here, they wouldn't know that we're talking about them. We want to honor people like that. Um, but uh, so here you go. OK, now, now here's how this is going to work. You notice in your notebook, you have the exact same thing you have when you do a counseling session, blank paper. OK, and that's on purpose because you're going to be the counselor and I'm going to walk you through what I did. And you know what? What I did is not the only way to do it. There's lots of ways you can care for people using the same principles and the same scripture. But I, I want you to think through this, okay? If, if you want to take pictures of the slides, you're welcome to do that. But, but listen, you'll learn better if you focus less on getting all this information down and instead focus on just thinking through the session with me, okay? Just trust me on this. You'll, you'll learn the skill better if you think things through and just sort of make your own notes along the way, okay? All right, so here, here's, the, here's the study. Um, Mary, we'll call her Mary, is a 65-year-old woman who was recently divorced after 40 years of marriage. Tragic. She describes herself as hardworking, good-natured, and self-conscious, but often blue and lonely. On her PDI, she states that she's been depressed uh, for a little over uh, I think it was a couple of years, um, what happened was she she got divorced and then there was an attempt to sort of get back together and uh, and that didn't work. And that that combination of, of the problems in her marriage, the divorce, and then an effort to get back together resulted in something that she described as very difficult, very traumatic. Um at some point after that, she had to take some time off of work because she was just really struggling. She went to an, int an intensive outpatient program for several months. Uh, she said it was helpful, but was not very specific. She's coming to your church, to your counseling ministry, because a lot of outpatient programs require that you follow up with uh, some sort of counselor. So she ends up at, at our counseling ministry in Granbury. Um, let's see. So, um, and she also wants to be helped with, quote-unquote, her spiritual well-being. Uh, as we get to know her more, she recently stopped going to church. She gained about 20 pounds, and in the clinic, they put her on an antidepressant. She's also seeing some sort of Christian psychologist that a friend recommended, but uh, it, it wasn't, um, wasn't really helpful. Okay, so in the first session, I, I'm going to help you because I know Mary's not sitting in front of you, but normally what you would do is you would want to... Uh, love on her, care for her, encourage her, and ask a lot of questions. Okay, so let's assume that we all know we need to ask lots of questions to gather more data. So um, are you writing some of this down? Good. Okay, those of you that aren't, um, this is one of those skills you got to learn. You're, you're counseling, you're listening, and you're writing, listening and writing. And you got to learn to do some of that at the same time. Okay, so I, I did the data gathering. I learned some other things. She has seen her doctor recently, which would have been, that would have been one of the things I would have wanted her to do if she hadn't. 
Uh, I talked to her about the gospel, and she seemed to have a, a legitimate, even strong gospel testimony. Uh, at one time, until recently, she was pretty active in her church. Um, her marriage was very bumpy. Uh, she and her husband had separated multiple times over the course of their marriage and always got back together until this last time. Um, though a professing believer, her husband was abusive. He did not uh, go to church and, in fact, resented the church. And uh, he had a filthy mouth, and he was involved in multiple types of addictions. Um, he noticed that he seemed to change once they started having children, like change for the worse. Um, at one point in their marriage, they went to counseling, but he eventually stopped and here's the weird thing. Um, he had been unfaithful to her, committed adultery multiple times. Um, she tells you in the counseling, I still love him. Even though they're divorced and she's done all the, he's done all these things to her. Um, it was really that, that attempt to get back together after the divorce that really was sort of the final straw. Uh, she said, quote, I stopped everything. No church, no friends, no hobbies or activities, no family. I just wanted to disappear. Um, as I mentioned, the outpatient program started her on antidepressant meds, taught her some coping skills, encouraged her to start exercising. And again, those aren't bad things, but we're not getting necessarily to where we, we want her to be. Probably the most interesting thing she said in that first session was, was something like this. I'm a failure. My husband was so against religion. I had been a good and faithful wife. What did I do to deserve this? It must be my fault. I must have brought this on myself, but I still love him desperately. Okay. You're the counselor. We're going to assume that you're gathering data, that you're building involvement, right? You're, you're building a trusting relationship. You've evaluated her gospel testimony. Those are all things you do in the first session. What's the main thing we want to do in the first session in addition to those other things? What, what, what's the main need? Like you, you have to, have to, have to do this. Comfort her. Comfort her. Encourage, her. Encourage her. And how are you going to do that? Hope. You want to give hope, right? That's one of those key elements, right? Remember the key elements? We're going to gather data, build involvement, give hope, uh, instruction, or uh, analyze instruction and homework, right? Those are the six that you learned way, way back in weekend one. Um, but hope, okay? You need hope. Uh, so what passage, if it were you, okay, so in that first session, we get the information, right? We do some data gathering. Um, and then you got to ask, what's the goal, Right? What's, what's the goal? I would say giving her hope, encouraging her is the goal. How, how would you do that if it were you? I told you, this is the part where you talk. You're the counselor. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, how would you give her hope? Yeah, pray. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. We, we need God. We need God to give her help, to hope, right? So we pray. We ask God for sure. What else would you do? What's that? Okay. God loves her, right? God cares. He sees. Is there a passage that comes to mind that you might want to go to there? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just I was curious if you had something in mind. Um, 
Yeah, while we were yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Where's that? Romans five eight. All right, good job. We got a young theologian here leading the way. I love it. Okay, very good. Uh huh. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, but but here but here's the thing. We can give hope in all sorts of ways, but we want to communicate hope in a uniquely spiritual way. We pray, God, will you help my friend to have hope? Well, how's God going to answer that? He's going to answer it when you take her to hope in His Word. Right, like you said, you know, a passage that demonstrates God's love or God's care. Um, the, what what I did, what I chose to do in anchoring hope, and I had reasons for doing this. And, and as the counselor, you're learning all this, and as you're listening, and you're, you're you learn to pray with your eyes open. That's really important. You do it when you're driving, and you do it when you're counseling. Right? You pray with your eyes open, and you're saying, "Lord, I need wisdom. I need I need to know where to take this person." And um, so based upon what she was telling me, she, she knew and, and, and communicated, I, I know God's trying to do something. I just don't know. And that made me think Romans 8. So I took her to Romans 8, and I tried to help her to answer the question, what is God doing? Okay, and, and we know Romans 8, 28, 29 tells us that in all things... Uh, God works together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, let me, let me be very clear on this. I would probably not go to that passage initially with most people struggling with depression because that's like step 12 on the ladder. And most people start on step one, two, or three. Okay. But for her, she voiced that question. And I thought, if that's where she's at, if she's wrestling with this thing, what is God doing? What, what, what is this mess? Is there any purpose in this? I thought, you know what? Maybe a way to give her hope is to help her to answer that question. So Romans 8 was logical to do there. And you know what? That's all I did the whole first session. Spiritual kindergarten. One, one step. Okay. Now, you just heard me talk for an hour and give you pages of notes. And you're thinking, but what about this? What about this? It'll come. But right now, it's, it's one step, the need is hope, and I want her to walk away saying, God has a purpose in this. God has something good for me, and my counselor assures me, uh, I was co-counseling with a woman doing this, um, that, that, that he's going to help me find that, that the, these, these counselors are going to help me to find that good purpose. And she walked away with a little bit of confidence in that, that first session. Do you have a question? Yeah. There you go. Ooh, yeah, another similar scenario where you've got a husband that's that's mistreating his wife, and yeah, that might that might have been a good place to connect. Yeah, I like that. Very good. I'll I'll write that down and do that next time. Uh, was that Second Samuel? First Samuel twenty-five. All right, very good. Okay, now um, this is the homework I gave her, and again, yeah, you can jot that down. But but let me let me let me walk you through why I'm doing this, and then next time I'll let you take a stab at the homework. Okay, so I'm going to help you on this one. Um, that depression book that I quoted, the booklet, not the big book 
He's, Welch has a big book on depression. Um, don't give that to people too early or you'll make them more depressed. Um, but the booklet, it's, it's little. And I wanted her to read it and highlight 10 key sentences that were helpful to her. Because that, all that information I, I taught you guys from the Bible on depression, that little booklet gives us kind of a flyover. And I wanted her to read it and just kind of see what, what did she connect with and what did she not connect with. Um, I asked her to read Psalm 73 and 74 at least three times and write down your thoughts. Uh, why those Psalms? Similar to Nadab and, and, uh, or Nabal and, and Abigail. What's Psalm 73 and 74 about? Oh, this is the part we have to know our Bibles, right? Okay. Those Psalms voice depression. Uh, yes, that's Asaph. That's exactly it. Um, so I just, I, again, I wanted something to see if she would connect with it. Um, I wanted her to put Romans 8, 28, 29 on a verse card and read it every day and work on memorizing it. And uh, she didn't bring her Bible in that first session, so I made that part of the assignment. Bring your Bible back. Okay, that was it. Um, I want her in her Bible. I'm trying to get her connected to passages in the Bible that will re- relate to her experience of depression. And um, okay, so that was it. So she goes, she comes back week two. What's the first thing you're going to do in session two? After you, yeah, we're going to pray, ask God, Lord, give her hope, uh, give us insight, help me to minister to this dear sister in Christ. Uh, amen. What do you do? Review the homework. Very good. Okay, so that's what I did. Review the homework. It was interesting. Um, open your Bible to Psalm 73. I want to show you this. Um, I, I still remember this. This session was well. I can't tell you that story. Never mind. Um, I still remember though what she wrote in Psalm 73 and Psalm 74. Are you there? Psalm 73. I asked her, you know, write down the things that you connect with. She, she connected with this. Verse 2. As for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. Um, she wrote down, she marked down um, uh, verse 14. I have stricken, I have been stricken all the day long and been chastened every morning. Um, she wrote down verse 13, surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure. She, she almost said that in, in that first session, I was a good wife and this is what happened. I don't understand. What's the point? That's what Asaph is saying. He's saying, what's the point of, of walking in righteousness? If, if, uh, the, the righteous are afflicted and the wicked win is, is the context of Asaph. Okay. So, so that's what she's writing down. What was even more insightful was what she didn't mark. She didn't mark this. Look at verse uh, 25. Whom am I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but the God is the strength of my life, my heart and my portion forever. For um, Verse 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your works. It was like she read right over that. And it didn't stick. And I went, okay, now I know where to press in. Okay, because she's, she's, not, she's not seeing God in her depression. And as you're listening to a person's story, one of the questions you want to ask is, where's God? Is God not in a person's story at all? They never mention God. Is he a bystander, but he's not really active in the person's life? 
is he the one responsible for the affliction? Like God's against me, like lamentations. That's Jeremiah lamentations. God's shooting his arrows at me. He's like, he's like a bear wanting to pounce me and devour on, devour me. And right. Where, where's God? And, and, and for her, she's reading this and she, she's not seeing God in the depression. All she sees is emotion. Now that's pretty typical because that, that's what strong emotion does is, is it sort of gives us this myopia where we're not seeing outside and we're not seeing god and in the things that he's doing so really insightful uh, she did a good job she, she was a person that did her homework faithfully which which is good um okay so what do you want to do next we review the homework you kind of get some insight did you, did you, was that part of the next step to refocus her focus mm-hmm. okay. yeah so yeah refocus her focus uh-huh okay so uh teaching time what, what, what would you want to do in terms of teaching Okay. Direct her towards hope. Okay. And again, so, so we talked about, you know, God has a good purpose, right? To, to make me like Christ. Um, I saw that it wasn't connecting. So I thought, okay, let's come back and say, okay, let's give her something concrete to think about. How do I move toward hope instead of continuing to move away from hope? And, um, many of you will be aware of this. Um, I backed up a little bit and said, let's, let's talk about the goal in life. Let's talk about God's purpose for you. Again, that's what we talked about last time, God's purpose. Um, let's back up and make that even basic. What, what does that look like? What's one step toward achieving this, this goal that God has for you? Okay. And, um, so I took her to second Corinthians five, nine. Um, that's a text we use to talk about the goal in life. Verse 15, Jesus died. So that we who live would no longer live for ourselves, but for him, the goal in life, not to please myself, but to please God. And, um, and taught her that and thought, okay, if I can get her thinking, I need to be actively pursuing God rather than just be overwhelmed in my feelings and to kind of keep doing what she was doing in that spiral of depression. And, and this really stuck. I'll, I'll show you the Y chart. Some of you have seen the Y chart. Some of you haven't seen it uh, in a minute here. Um, but, but all of this, all of this led with a goal in life and, and, and she says, well, how do I know if, I, if I'm pleasing God or pleasing myself? And that's when we talked about emotions. Remember in the, the lesson I did a moment ago, your emotions reveal what? They reveal your heart. So I sent her away with this question. What do your emotions reveal about you? And I told her, I, I'm not, this is not condemnation or judgmental. It's not, a, you know, I'm going to grade you on this. It's not like that. I want you to prayerfully ask God, what do my, my emotions say about where my heart is? And am I, am I moving toward God or away from him in that? And uh, so I, um, I gave her this homework. Now, the Y chart looks like a Y, because that's a Y. Um, and, and really, it's just a graphical way of thinking about 2 Corinthians 5, 9 that says, I can be pleasing self or I can be pleasing God. And where the why comes together, that's the point of decision, right? I have to choose, am I going to turn to God or am I going to turn away from him? Am I going to follow him by faith or am I going to follow my feelings? And uh, you'll see that why chart is, is a very, very, very simple form of that big complicated diagram that I showed you a moment ago. And uh, I don't want to throw that up there on session two because then she would really be depressed, right? And I'd want to overwhelm her. So just baby steps, right? Just a little bit at a time trying to help her to do that. Okay, so goal in life, what do your emotions reveal about you? This is the homework I gave. Notice how the homework is designed to reinforce what we talked about. Do you see that? 
That's what you do in homework. You don't have to be like, oh, homework, what do I do? Just design your homework to reinforce what you observed and what you taught in the session. Because you want her to be thinking about that. Um, she had, I remember she had stopped going to church and I asked her in the session, I said, I said, I know this is, this might be challenging, not, no pressure, but are you willing to try to go back to your church? Would you be open to that? And she said, yes, I know I need to, I need to do that. And I said, okay, you want to try it this week? She said, I'll try it this week. So I put it in the homework just to remind her that. Um, had her memorize the verse. I asked her to explain the why chart, uh, you know, so come back and be able to explain it to me in the following session. And then I asked her this. I said, I want you to do one kind thing for somebody, for somebody else every day and keep a log of that. Um, and here's what I told her. I said, depression, in depression we do this. And she had family, she had friends that were caring for her and neighbors. And I said, I, I want to help you take baby steps so that you're not focusing on your depression all the time, but you start focusing on other people. And again, it wasn't like, oh, Pastor Keith's making you do this. I explained it to her, and she said, yes, that makes sense. That will be good for me. So put that in there for some accountability. Send her on her way. Okay? Get a question. How much of this did you already have prepared, and did any of it come up as a result of this? Yeah, great question. So the question is, how much of this did I already have prepared, and how much of it is it I'm kind of making it up on the fly? The answer is, uh, I had an overall direction. And this, that's part of why I'm doing this, because what the, the main elements of what I'm doing in this session are elements I do in most counseling. I'm just tailoring it to the depression. And then I'm adapting it to what I'm hearing from her. Um, if, you, if you guys go to counseling and you have no plan, no agenda, you've not thought about it, you've not prayed about it, you it's not going to go well. <laughs> so what we, what, we, what we teach you is how to have a planned tentative agenda. Session one, data gathering, build involvement, evaluate their spiritual condition, give them hope based on a text. Session two, right, goal in life or some sort of you know, big idea picture, um, one step to move toward God. And as you'll see here in, in these subsequent sessions, I'm going to, I'm going to move into teaching her the change process, right? Remember you, you learned the, how do we grow and change process? Well, she's not going to grow and change if she doesn't know that. So those, sometimes we call it the progression of sessions. They're, they're topics that in virtually every counseling scenario you're going to teach. So yes, I had an agenda, but it was tentative and I adapted as I go. Okay. Um, and that's another reason I'm giving you this example because again, this is, please, this is not the only way to do it. It's not the best way to do it. It's just the way that I happen to do it, and God was kind uh, to use it in this particular session. Okay. I had to read Psalm 42 at least three times. Why? Because I saw what she did in Psalm 73 and 74, and so I wanted to give her another chance uh, at a psalm that was going to be similar and to see if she got it. And she did better the next time. Uh, in, in seeing the, uh, the hope, the hope in God part of it. Okay. So session three comes around. What's the first thing you're going to do? You pray. Amen. What do you do? Review the homework. Okay. So we reviewed the homework and, um, interesting. So remember I asked her, I want you to think about what do your emotions reveal about you? Um, here's what she said. I lost, I feel, I, I feel like I lost a loved one. I feel like I failed. Then she says this. I was thinking about that, and it's almost like I was taking responsibility for his sin. 
really insightful. You're absolutely right. Maybe your guilt is based on an unbiblical evaluation of your responsibility. Hmm. Well, she came up with that. God's spirit working through the word, meditating on that. What do your emotions say about you? She came up with that. Um, she said this. She said, this is amazing. This is session two uh, or session three review. Um, my husband had rejected me and I think I might want to please him more than God. Woo. I mean, you talk about the spirit alive and active and doing stuff, right? I mean, she was just really, really, um, benefiting from that question. And I told, I, I could tell she took it seriously. She said this, she said, my emotions help me to see that I need love, significance and respect, and I need to be in control. And when I didn't get it, it scared me. Well, who can't relate to that? You relate to that, right? I can relate to that. We, this is very normal sort of human uh, response here. And uh, so just really, really insightful here. So I asked her, okay, so what would you connect with in Psalm 42? Um, she, she wrote this down. Why am I going through this? I'm not the evil one. I was trying to do the right thing. I'm the one being punished. I have known great joy. And then I lost it. Okay. But she still wasn't quite connecting to that hope in God. I will again praise him. Um, okay. So that's, that's her homework. What, what would you, and I asked her, you know, what did you connect with? We talked about that. What would you teach on now? If it were you. Okay, you, you can uh, maybe, any one of those things that she wrote down that was misguided, you could address, okay? And that would have been, a, I, I didn't do that, but I think that would have been a very useful uh, thing to do uh, had I chosen to do that. That's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the faithfulness of God, the compassion of God, the character of God. We got into that, um, but it was in uh, subsequent sessions. But that would have been really good too. Appointing them to God. That would have been, you guys. These are great counselors. That's great. Um, I'll tell you what I did, and I'll tell you why I did it. And these again, these are this is just a way. What you guys are saying is great. Um, I wanted to focus more on what her heart was doing and explaining that her heart is actively responding even to the things that she's telling herself now. Why am I going through this? I'm not the evil one trying to do what's right. And, and here's the connection I wanted to make. What, what your emotions are, are, are showing is what your heart is doing. And when you're meditating on these things that are um, either not true or not the thing you need to focus on, like you know, the character of God would have been better. You know, hope in God, right? And and you know, um, whom have I in heaven but you? And and because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That's what's going to lead to a change in emotions. Remember what God says to Cain: If you do what is right, your countenance is going to change. And the problem is she was focusing on the wrong thing. So I took her to Proverbs four twenty three: Watch over your heart. I explained, you know, that we live out of our heart. You guys saw that in weekend one. And again, I brought her back to what's going on in the heart. What are you thinking? What are you worshiping? What are you meditating on? And I use texts like, um, uh, looking at my notes here, um, texts like um, uh, Mark 7, Luke 6, you know, the same ones we, we talk about in uh, track one. 
I drew the little heart diagram. I, I don't have it here, but um, you remember that from, from weekend one, that we live out of our heart. And then I gave her this homework in light of that. Memorize the proverb, continue one worship service, continue doing one kind thing, be in the passages that we looked at. Again, what do you learn about your heart? Again, I'm, I'm, put, I'm pressing her back uh, into this... Um, you know, thinking about herself and, and then had her produce the hard diagram. Okay. Is this helping? Is this interesting? Okay. And I, I know it's been a long day. Uh, stay with me here and we'll be done just a couple minutes. Okay. Promise. Uh, session four. What, you pray. Amen. What's the first thing you're going to do? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. What, what she connect with? Okay. So we talked about reviewing that. And uh, as I had her um, thinking about the heart and meditating the heart, she started to realize, you know, maybe I'm not thinking the right things. Maybe I'm not focusing on the right things. Um, I reminded her that our hearts are active responders, not passive victims, right? And um, so I asked her, I said, what do you think is going on in your heart? Well, I'm, I'm not focused on the right thing. And, and um, so... What, I brought her back to what is God doing, right? What is he doing through these trials, through these sufferings? And she said something like, um, maybe he's wanting to show me more of my heart. That's absolutely right. And this, this was a time where I diverted from what I was going to do. Because I thought, I've got, I've got to capitalize on that. So I looked at 1 Peter 1 and James 1. And both of those passages talk about how God uses trials to reveal our heart, but to move us toward hope and perseverance and having a living hope and, and attested faith. And, and uh, so I wanted, to have, I wanted her to have these texts that said, you know, God is using suffering and trials to reveal my heart, but he has these good purposes uh, that he's working to do. And uh, that really connected her. That, that really helped her to see, I see what God is working in me and, and I want him to work in my heart and uh, etc. Um, this is interesting. So I, I gave her some homework. Um, I gave her a couple of chapters in the depression book. Um, how to read Romans 1 about how our heart is revealed. Uh, how to memorize 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 about hope in trials. And then, um, and then, okay, so here's where I really got to press in with her. I said, thinking back on the time when, you, when your depression appeared, answer these questions. What were your desires, expectations, beliefs, goals? Do any of them need to change, right? Because God's using this to reveal your heart. So I'm saying, okay, what do you see there? And what does God maybe want you to change? And then since then, what have you learned about yourself, about God, etc.? This is interesting. She came into session five. Now you need to expect this, okay? She came in session five, pray, review homework. And, and one of the first things she says is this. I don't think God caused this to happen. Expect setbacks expect that you're going to be moving along and you're going to come in and they're going to take three steps back that's just going to happen and you know what that happens in my spiritual life it happens in your spiritual life so it's like okay let's go back to romans 8 so we actually started this session going back to romans 8 and just reviewing i wanted to help her to renew her mind in romans 8 Um, the chapters in the in the ed welch book that i gave her were very insightful uh, she helped, it helped her to see that she wanted her husband's, more of her husband's love. And when he didn't love her the way that she desired, she interpreted that as rejection. Uh, 
And then she said this, and I'll never forget this. I realized that I was putting all my success as a Christian in having a Christian family home, and I had failed. It's like, bingo. That was it. And that was really the bottom. That, that was the, the watershed moment because all this guilt, all this depression, all this failure was she had defined success before God in a, in a really unbiblical way. Um, not a bad way, right? We, we want to have a good Christian home. That's not a bad desire. But she was defining her sort of success before God based on the fact that she couldn't get her husband to be a godly husband and to be a Christian and to go to church and to even keep their marriage. Uh, that was the session where she recognized that wanting his love became an idol and that she was defining success as having a Christian family home. Okay, so it's like, okay, now we can really get down to work. This was the session that I taught her the change process because like, okay, now we, we've, we've understood the idols of the heart. Now we understand the faulty thinking. Now we understand where's, where's those, where are the depression uh, uh, feelings coming from? Remember, we've unmasked the depression. Where's it coming from? Her, herself, but what in particular? Yes, you're right, but, but, but directed at what issue? I know this is the guess of Pastor Keith's thinking game. I know, I know, but what's that? Yes, it was guilt. It was guilt. You know, it, you would look at this and you'd think it's loss, right? She lost her husband. She lost her marriage. That was a part of it. But that wasn't really what was causing the depression. It was the guilt that she felt because she was assuming responsibility for something that God said she's not responsible for. And she had defined success before God in keeping that marriage and having a Christian home and having a godly husband. That was the source of her depression. And it was really interesting, guys. This, and this, you don't make this stuff up. I, you know, the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. What it says is absolutely true. Um, once she started to replace that wrong thinking with biblical thinking, guess what happened to her feelings? began to change because our feelings follow our heart right we talked about that that's what an emotion is it's a feeling and a heart response and you got to work backward what is that heart response well she's thinking about guilt and thinking about responsibility so i taught her the put on put off process and i thought i put this in the slide i didn't so so picture a chart put off put on this side wanting to be loved put on loving others put off Having a Christian home, right? Put on. Seeking to be faithful to please God, whether that happens or not. Um, wanting my husband's acceptance versus honoring God even when I don't get it. And that change process, right? That, 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 we went, that was what we went over in the session. And then I gave her homework to uh, expand that put off and put on list by adding other things. Okay. Watch this. I love this. She comes back in session six. And literally, I I prayed. I'm getting the homework. She had reconnected with family and friends on her own. She had gotten back to some of her old activities on her own. And I wrote in my notes here, as she applied the word of God, putting off and putting on, her feelings changed. And um, she began to trust God and seek to honor him and be faithful versus wanting her wants and her expectations and her needs. 
And as she gained consistency, we, we walked with her for several more sessions. Just encourage that, shape that, tweak that, keep moving in the right direction. Um, she did great and we graduated her. Um, there, there is nothing in the world like getting a 50-yard line seat in watching the grace of God transform a person's heart. And that's what this was. Um, it's a long time ago, but it still gets to me. Um, now, I want to be clear. Um, not every counseling session is going to be that quick. Not every depression session will you have a counselee that's so teachable and agreeable the way she was. So this is a bit of an idealistic counseling session. But it shows you that this isn't rocket science. Um, it's being faithful to take the word of God, to love, to listen, to care well, and to take what you know in the Bible and, as it were, take that person by the hand and walk with her through those things. Give her instruction. Help her to apply the things of God. Don't be afraid to say, this is not right thinking. You need to repent of that and replace it with this godly thinking. Um, don't, don't ever minimize what God can do just by having a person read the right text. Uh, the Bible says that the word of God is the spirit's sword and he does spiritual heart surgery with that sword. It's not my skill as a counselor. It's not you. It's, it was not my, my female counselor I was working with. It wasn't the booklets in and of themselves. You know, it's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God that produces this sort of change. And that's, that's what we're trying to do in biblical counseling, whether it's formal or informal, is to love them, listen well, and then care well by getting them in the Word of God and applying the Word of God in ways that we know God says He'll transform. All right? That's a good note to end on, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe again of your word. I just, it's been many years, but I thank you so much for working in this person's life and will never forget your kindness to her. Uh, Lord, there are many people just like Mary in the world uh, struggling with depression and, and many other issues. And I thank you that you have given us the privilege of loving and caring for people just like this. But to do that, we, we need to be skilled in your word. We need to know your word. We need to be living it and applying it ourselves and then, and then spending the prayerful work to know and learn how to care for people uh, in, in these ways. So, Lord, give my brothers and sisters grace. I know it's been a long week and even a long night already, and, but we, we want to honor you and be faithful to care for people in your name. So, so help us to do that better. In Jesus' name, amen.